Happy Thursday, everyone. Here's hoping it's been a good one so far. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast. Before we get to today's special guest, here's a quick reminder. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you like what you hear in today's episode, leave us a quick review. Also, don't forget that you can now keep up with the show on Twitter at at Smith, where we'll be bringing you all the latest from around the Sunbelt football landscape. Caden, with that said, we're really excited to have our latest Sunbelt athlete join us on the Frary and Smith podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's special guest? This one has a special place in my heart, Noah. Obviously, anytime I get to talk to a former teammate, it's an exciting time. I know you only let me do it every so often. I would do it every week if I could, but super excited about this guy. He's playing the position that's probably been the premier position at App State for a while. If you go down the line and just look at the historic running backs that have been at this school, he's definitely up there. He might be on some guys around Mount Rushmore, even if you had to put four up there. It's done other than running back number six, Cameron Peoples. Super excited for the conversation we had about him and just his life, his story on the field, off the field. So just tell him a little bit more about those stats and some of the crazy stuff he's done in this career because it's been crazy to watch. It's crazy even just to hear sometimes on paper. Yeah, I mean, after a career year in 2020 that saw Cam Rush for 1,124 yards, the App State star followed it up with another near 1,000-yard year in, in 2021. Over the past two seasons, he has run for over 2,000 yards while recording 26 touchdown runs. Despite battling injuries, though, throughout his career, Cam continues to be one of the best running backs in the league, and he was instrumental in App State's upset over Texas A&M earlier this year, rushing for 112 yards on the ground. Cam has recorded 534 yards from the line of scrimmage to go along with five touchdowns so far this season. He continues to put himself in the conversation, Caden, as the top running back in the Sun Belt with his performances each week, and he's sure to play a big role down the stretch as App State looks to return to that conference championship game and perhaps secure another postseason bowl bid. Yeah, everyone who's seen Cam play on the field knows he has a really big play, really big plays in really big time games. But anyone who knows him off the field knows he also has a big personality and a lot of stuff he gets into. So I'm super excited for the people to hear about not only the little intricacies and how he came up into the game of football and got to app and that journey, but also a lot of the stuff he's involved with off the field. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with the one and only Cameron Peoples. We're obviously always excited about our guests, but this one's obviously a little bit closer to home for me. Get to talk to one of my former teammates, one one of my best running backs I've played with, which is a crazy thing to say because we had so many. The one and only number six for App State, the running back, the Cameron Peoples. How you doing, Cam? I'm good, man. How are you? Can't complain. Good to see you, man. So I want to take it back to the beginning. I know you're from Linville, Alabama, small town, population about 2,400. I know it's a special place for you and your family. Just tell us about how you got introduced to football in town and what it was like growing up there. Um, so my introduction to football was really, um, my uncle and watching him play at Lamba high school was he played quarterback. And, you know, at that time, like I was young, I was maybe like, he was graduating. I was maybe like two or three, but I kind of like remember just glimpses. And then he had these old tapes that I would just pop in and I'd watch them and I'd watch them and I'd watch them. And then this was around the time Michael Vick was like the man. And so I'm like watching this guy all over TV, just running up and down the field. And I'm like, man, that looked like fun. And then, uh, and then uh, I started playing around like four years old, five years old. And, you know, down there, especially in that town, like football is such a huge part of like everything. So like everything down there was straight high school football or Alabama-Auburn football. 
and nothing else really mattered. Like if there was no football, there was, I mean, a little bit of baseball here and there, but like football was like everybody's like go to. So, um, you know, watching my uncle and then uh, uh, I would say my father figure, his name's Kristen. He he uh pushed me really hard to you know play some ball, and you know he still I talk to him still to this day, and you know um. It was it's good and especially down there you like playing with all your buddies and you know growing up in that that small town you get to know everybody from and their families their moms you like their coaches like your best friend is your your dad your your dad's coaching his son and his son's your best friend and you got all these guys so like everybody really knew everybody but it was it's definitely football cultured and you know and I, that's why I'm kind of that's why I kind of picked app because it's such it's such a similarity there. Well, that transitions us perfectly into my next question. And, you know, obviously coming out of high school, out of Alabama, you're a three-star prospect. Um, one of the, you know, I wanted to ask who were some other schools that showed interest in you and then what ultimately led to that decision to choose App State as your college home? Uh, so um, there was Illinois, there was Georgia State, there was um, most of the in-state schools with UAB, Troy, South Alabama, Jacksonville State, um, Alabama and Auburn would like let me come visit, but they never really gave me an offer. And you know, I had uh, other big schools like Kentucky and Arkansas who wanted me to come visit, but I just couldn't because you know circumstances. But they never really gave the offer. Um, but, you know, I had all those schools and then I had Tulane, which was one of my visits that I went to, got to go to New Orleans. Um, but App really stood out with, you know, the way they was recruiting me and the way that they kept tabs with me and called me every other day. And, you know, not even not just showing up for like just a game. They like they come to practice. They came down and. Coach Satterfield and Coach Holt came down and had uh, lunch with me and my mom. And I think that was, like, really big because, like, I don't think a lot of head coaches, you know, just pop up in a small town and, and, and eat with you. And, and I would see Nick Saban do that occasionally to, like, some of the big-time players. I'm like, all right, so this this guy, you know, they really they really like me. So um, I got they got me to come up there on a visit. Um and you know, I loved I loved the atmosphere. The game was packed out. They were playing against Coastal. Um, Verge broke like a eighty-one yard run. I'm sitting there yelling from the seat. I'm like, oh my gosh, this place is lit! And it was such a good game. And like after the game, they sang the the uh, the nothing song, and, the, and I'm just like, all right, you know, this is lit. And, you know, my my player host was uh, Josh Thomas. He's from Bama. Him and Vic. You know, they showed me a great time. We ate at Waffle House. And, you know, I was just like, this play. And it was such a, like, to me, Boone's, like, was big at the time because Lon was super small. And I was like, man, it's going to take forever to figure out. Like, but it was like a small town vibe. And I was like, you know what? I knew that night. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm coming here. Like, this is the place. I got to come here. And I loved it ever since. You definitely chose a good game. I remember that one, and you definitely had some good hosts. Those are some those are some OGs. But let's take it back to when you finally got to App. I'll, I'll never forget your freshman year. You come and we get this big kid who's like the biggest running back on our, our roster as soon as he shows up. And we already have Jalen Moore. We already have Darrington Evans, Marcus Williams, Daytrick Henry. The running room, running back room is already deep. And 
feel like everyone wanted a sense. They wanted to see you work. They wanted to see you what you had in the game, but they wanted to also keep that red shirt. And then in the bowl game, they kind of unleashed you. You had that 63-yard touchdown run where I think that was the first time everyone really got to see that speed. And they were like, okay, here we go. Like, we have another good App State running back. Here's another one. Did you kind of feel that? And just what do you remember about that moment in that bowl game ripping off that big run? Uh, it was man, it was just so crazy because I remember, like, going into that game, watching all the film and, like, knowing, like, all right, this is the last game of the year. I got to play. Like, there's like he has to play me. So I and, – and I'm watching the film. I'm, like, seeing the opportunities for big runs, and I, I was – big on big runs in high school of being like just such an electric guy but in the moment I just remember like going in like coach Holt came he's like all right Cam you're uh, you're gonna you're getting in in the third quarter we're gonna score again and you're gonna go in I'm like all right so I called my mom I, I called her at halftime like mom I'm gonna go in the game I'm gonna score <laughs> and then I called my uh my homeboy his name is Evan I called him like bro watch the tv I'm about to score <laughs> and like, and I go back out there. Well, they we got a touchdown, so I'm like, all right. So the defense gets to stop, and I'm like, all right, bet here we go. And we get out there, and we call the outside zone to the left, and the safety comes down, and, I, and he tackles me, and I'm like, oh, and it was like literally the only tackle. I'm like, no way. And then I look to the sideline, and I'm just like, please run it again, run it again, run it again. They call it again to the other side, and I was like, all right, bet. That safety's about to come down, and it's going to be me and him this time. I gave him a stiff arm, and I swear, I kid you not, to me still, that feels like the longest run of my life. Like, the field expanded. I was like, no way. And I'm just running, running. Mock comes by. He pushes a guy out of bounds. And I'm just like, oh, I'm about to score in the Superdome. Oh, I'm about to score in the Superdome. <laughs> and then I just, <laughs> I just get in the end zone. I'm just, like, yelling. I'm like, no way. Oh, this, it was so crazy. Those are the uh, that's the moments. That's the type of answer we, uh, you know, wanted on this podcast. So thank you for, you know, taking us through that. Um, You know, right after that game, you move into the next season. And after a high of a moment, you get three snaps into that season before you hurt your leg. And now you're out for the year. I wanted to ask, what did you use for motivation during what could have been probably was a very dark time in your career where you couldn't play football? What was your motivation to get back uh, on the gridiron? Uh, honestly, it was my teammates and just my teammates and my family and, and kind of trying to remember like why, like I'm here and, and what's my end goal. And honestly, my faith, um, you know, I prayed a lot during that time and, and I always looked at it. I never tried to question, you know, why me, but like, I'm just like, why not me? And, you know, it kind of opened my eyes to the game a little more, honestly, because I got to sit back. I got to evaluate a little more. And, you know, I'm still a young guy, so I'm I'm not really I'm, I'm I'm not worried about time or nothing like that. But, you know, I had I had Darrington, I had Marcus, I had Chop and I had like, I, you know, we had Drinkwitz as the coach at the time and the team is balling. And so I got to sit back and kind of like observe from a fan point of view at the same time as being a player. So I tried to learn as much as I could with that offense and with drink and. And the, and the thing with with that coaching staff and Coach Riley and and all those and all those players at the time was, they really made me feel like I was still a a big part of the team. Like no matter what, like I I remember just coming in the locker room every day and it's still like everybody's trying to talk to you and it's like great energy and like they weren't really treating me like oh yeah he's hurt. Like everybody was like still I was interactive with everybody, no matter if it's offense defense. 
And that's just like that family atmosphere, that culture that App State has. And and that really that really motivated me a lot because seeing those like seeing everybody ball, like that season was very historic and um we got ranked and all that stuff and and you know it's it's just amazing to see that and, and just being a part of that and still feeling like a huge part of that team and letting and everybody letting me know like a just like and you you got it like don't don't get too down on yourself because there's people who's been in those situations and and has been hurt and, and I leaned on those guys a lot so I learned a lot from that season you know I I tried to be App State's number one cheer like cheerleader and I think I did a pretty good job. <laughs> You definitely did, man. That's awesome. And obviously you bounced back from that year in 2020. You have a great season. Then you cap it off with that Myrtle Beach Bowl. And I'll, I'll never forget it because I think it's the least amount of times I had to sit down on the bench being on defense because every second you were just scoring again and again, I had to get back up and get out there. Our whole defense was like, no way Cam is scoring again. But you in that game with a program record, 317 yards, five touchdowns against North Texas. You beat and matched records with Barry Sanders, Armani Edwards. How did it feel? And what was that, what does that accomplishment stand for you? Uh, it's, it's still one of those things that I've never really like fully processed, honestly, but, you know, to have my name mentioned among some of the greatest players in App State history and in just college football history and football history period is, is, uh, really just amazing. And I look at that as, um, more of an accomplishment to where I've been and, and the people I play for and the people back home and just kind of like, you know, seeing where I come from and, you know, what's what it's like and how hard it is to make it up out of there. And it's kind of like, if I can do it, a lot of the kids who look up to me now can do it too. Like, and, you know, that's something that I can, I can tell my kids one day or I can tell like people, you know, Hey, here's a fun fact. If you, if you look up this stat right here, you'll see me like, and that's, it was just a really cool moment. And, and, and it really meant a lot to the team at or at least the running backs at that time because we had a the thousand yard streak of like eight years or nine years. It was gonna be nine years at the at the time, but we had a nine year on the line and going into that game I had like nine hundred and uh something yard or eight hundred something yards. I needed hundred and ninety one. So that alone I was gonna have to have the most outstanding game I've ever played in my life. So um but I, I like, like I said, like going into those games like that. I watched the film. I seen opportunities for big runs. I knew what plays were gonna hit, and and you know, fortunate, we, you know, the film didn't lie, and I trusted the O line. I trusted uh, the tight ends to get the job done, and I just they they just really made it easy for me. So, I mean, as 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 much as that's my record, is it's a record for that O line at the time, and and the tight ends and the whole offense as a whole. Well, I don't mean to leap any or lump any pressure on you, but I think that streak is 10 now and you need about 500 yards left the rest of this year to make it 11. So maybe don't save as many for the bowl game this year and try to get it done sooner. <laughs> but, you know, when we talked, we talked with Chase Bryce earlier this year, he talked a lot about the impact of that App State offensive line, a.k.a. you guys call them the Bulls, uh, have on a football game. Uh, last, you know, earlier this season, last week, actually against Georgia State, uh, they helped you guys rush for 404 yards. What makes that group so good? Um, I think it's just their work ethic. And, you know, there's such a big part of like the offense as far as a leader standpoint goes there. They you got Coop, you got Isaiah, you got Anderson. So you got some experienced guys. You got some guys who who 
don't mind doing the dirty work, who don't mind hurting feelings. And it's easy to get behind guys like that. And, and you know, they, they have such this, just this enthusiasm and, 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 and grit to them that when they, when you step on the field with them, it's like, you're super comfortable. It's like, you're surrounded by bodyguards. Like, Hey, we finna go out there and do the thing. So you, you just run behind us. And it's, and it's just like, it's moments like when we have fourth downs, it's like we go out there and it's almost like our lives, our life depend on this play right here and, and we're going to go get the job done. So we're going to live another day. And, and like with that mentality, they that's just like they attack everything they do. And um, they they truly deserve a lot of credit for like the success of any any of us at running back because those guys and they they work super hard throughout the week. It's not even just they show up on game day. They show up every day. They show up in the weight room. They show up when and walk through and and pre walk through. They always are intense. They're always on point and they they're not really one of the the groups that joke around a lot. They they go out there and they get the job done and that's and that's just the type of group they are. Since you started your career, Cam, you've put your names all up in the record books. You're in the top 10 for the career rushing yards. You're tied with former teammate Jalen Moore for seventh all-time in touchdowns. There have been a lot of great running backs in the program. Obviously, it's honestly just come become a staple at this point. When you look five, 10 years from now, the legacy you have down the road, what do you want App State fans to remember you for? Uh, I really want them to remember me as like a guy who would, you know, put it all on the line for his team. Um I want to be one of those types of guys who they look at as he was App State through and through. You know, I've seen all the legends who come through here and, and how much they mean to this program. I want to be one of those guys who, you know, they remember that they talk about. And, you know, when I come back, it's all good vibes. And, you know, everybody's um, loving and accepting of everything that I've that I've done here. Um, but I really want them to remember me as, you know, he was a – App State guy through and through. He loved his teammates. He loved the fans. And, you know, I'd do anything for this program. I put, you know, is I put the game, I put the whole team on my back if I could. So <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I mean, you you oftentimes you hear that phrase around App State. I've definitely heard it from Caden. You know, today I give my all for app, and it sounds like that's part of the mentality that you have. Uh, let's, you know, talk about your future a little bit here. There were obviously rumors last year that you thought about entering the NFL draft. Uh, you choose to return to App State. Uh, what did you want to prove coming back for another season at App State this year? Uh, I really wanted to prove that I could be just a, a dominant all-around back. Um, you know, I I left the season. I wasn't as healthy as I wanted to be. But I also wanted to come back because... I wanted to be a leader. Um, it was a I saw an opportunity to, you know, really be a captain on this team and and um have a lot of say so and a lot of um just uh energy and motivational type guy. And I saw that opportunity and you know, I, I ran with it and that was really kind of my my biggest goal of the year was, you know, my teammates accepting me and, and voting me as one of their captains and I that's one of my biggest accomplishments to date um, because, you know, taking on that role, it means a lot. And so, um, yeah, I really um, I really wanted to prove that, you know, I could be be a leader. I could, you know, I can do anything the team needs. I can be an all-around back. I can be a, 
a game changer. And, you know, um, I feel like so far I'm, I'm doing, doing my best at it. And, you know, I still got some, I still got some things that I want to prove, uh, improve on, you know, it never, it never really stops. It's, it's always something I can get better at. So that's kind of like the mentality I have now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously now at the end of this season, you're going to be in the conversation to be drafted in and in, in the NFL in April. And I think that that has to be exciting for you to even think about, but you're going to end up having a bunch of meetings, you know, once you move out of football season with different programs and, you know, pro teams, if they, what would you tell those pro teams that they're getting with Cameron Peoples, both on the field and off the field? Who Who's the player that they would be getting? Uh, well, they're going to be getting an exciting type guy, um, very high energy, but, you know, also a guy who's um, willing to always put the extra work in, who, who's willing to, you know, put his head down and learn. You know, I really want to learn and, and, and somebody who's willing to improve their craft every single day. So, um I love I love to be critiqued. I love to figure out what's something I can improve on and do better at. And that's in all aspects of my life. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a very I'm a family oriented guy. So, you know, whatever locker room I step in there, those guys are automatically my brothers and I'll do anything for them. I'll, you know, if they need a ride somewhere, I got them. They need some clothes. They need some food. Like the family's going through something. I'll pray with them like like. That's just the type of guy that that I am, and that's the type of guy I've always wanted to be. I think your Scott, your size and your skill set at the position makes you kind of unique. I'm just curious if you could compare yourself to one NFL back, who would it be? And I guess are there any guys maybe at the pro level that you take some pieces of their game and use it in your own? Let me see. I think uh, I think size wise, a lot of people like to say Derrick Henry, but I can't compare myself to Derrick Henry because man's massive. He's like a mountain. Um, but, uh, the running back for, uh, Edmonds from, uh, the Cardinal, I don't, I don't even know if he's still on the Cardinals, but I think he played for the Cardinals, but him, uh, me and him were kind of similar in size and, you know, the way we play the game. Um, a lot of people like to compare me to Eric Dickerson because of the, the high running style that I have and on um, the way he played the game. And honestly, you know, going back and watching them, I see a lot of the similarities uh, he definitely, I mean, dang, it looked just like him if I had a neck pad in 32, <laughs> but, but he was, uh, he's a guy that I look at a lot, um, but I really try to, I really try to watch as many backs as possible so I can see, you know, what they do differently. Like Alvin Kamara probably has one of the best balances and like he has such good balance and watching him on and off the field is, is something that I've tried to work on. And, you know, you got guys like, um, like old school Barry Sanders and you got Eric Dickerson, you got Sweet Feet. So like I try to take things from them as well. And just to, just cause I want to be like, I want to be, if you want to be like a hall of fame type player, you have to watch hall of fame type guys and see what you can take from them and, and add your own little flair to it. I don't think I've ever really been exactly like someone because I've always been just like a, dynamic explosive strider um in high school I was known as just like a, a speed back I was I wasn't really all power and then I really kind of just had to adjust once I got to college because you know it's, it's a lot different and you know me being 6'2 190 was not going to work so I had to put on like 30 pounds and and I honestly like it better being uh being the bruiser 
but also being a sneaky, elusive guy. Like I, it, is, it sneaks up on defenders. I can tell they don't think I'm. They think they just oh he's just gonna try to bully us all game. Nah, I'm gonna try to sneak past you if I can. <laughs> but if you're in the way, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> I joked with uh, I joked with Caden earlier today. I was looking at some uh, some of your stats, and I had seen that at four uh, at two twenty five you run a four four forty. And uh, I said that that's a little bit scary. So I think it goes to show some of the speed. But let's talk. Let's let's jump off the field. and Let's talk a little bit about what you've got going off the field. You're a guy that has definitely taken advantage of NIL. Uh, You've been very active in that space over the past year. What has your experience been with NIL and what are your thoughts on the advantages that it has created for student athletes or, or players much like yourself? Uh, the experience has been great. Honestly, you get um, you get a lot of opportunities to build your network with different companies and kind of put your face and your name out there. And it's really good that we have this opportunity because a lot of guys are they have a personable camera skills and and just other talents that they can exploit now and and make a profit off of it so I've tried to do that the best of my ability and there's still like more things that I wish I could do or I can do like with the time I have left before you know it, it becomes like super big money deals but I think it's been good for college athletes because um a lot of guys in a lot of different places you know it's just, it's, I look at it as money in your pocket. You know, there's, I mean, if the college is going to make a profit off of you, you know, and why can't you make a profit off yourself and, and uh, do something good with that money? So um, that's what I've tried to do. And I think the, I think it's good. I think the, I think it's going to change a little bit more in given time with, you know, all the crazy stuff happening with it. But, you know, as long as, as long as players are, you know, doing something good with it, making a name for themselves, building the network and connections and uh, putting some money in their pocket that, you know, that way they ain't got to be considered, you know, broke <laughs> student athletes. And because it's, it's definitely hard. It's, it gets hard. <laughs> and Cato knows like it, it get hard. So, yeah. Now, anyone who's ever played football on any college team, maybe even high school teams, knows that there's people on the team who think they could rap, and that's just how it works. And not all of them can, but <laughs> you're one of those guys. You're one of those guys, Cam. You've put out two albums, "Don't Know My Name," "Camo the Lover Boy." What got you into music, and what led to you making those albums? Because this was this was new to me. I mean, I knew you spit a little bit when I was on the team, but I didn't know you was going to be start putting albums out. <laughs> yeah. Um... I was uh, I'm so I grew up like just with this love of music. I was in the choir. My mom was my choir director, so it started there. And then um, I was I would always be in these little programs at school where I would get the opportunity to perform in plays and sing and do all this cool stuff. And and you know I just I love singing. And I don't. It's not a day I don't think I've ever gone without singing something. Like I I'm always singing. So. Um, Really, with the music, it I saw the so once the NIL thing kind of started popping off, I saw an opportunity to be like, okay, well, maybe you know I can expand and and like release music now since it's not illegal. Um, and so what I my thing with music is I try to it's really just an expression of you know getting like my emotions out or just like tell tell my story that you know that I may not be able to tell like through just like talking but you make it make it I I used to it really it really was poetry for a little while as far as like making my own stuff I would I used to write poetry and I used to write all these stories 
And then I just ended up, you know, well, I like to sing. Like maybe I can just turn the poem into a song and then start singing it. And, you know, I've been making music since like my seventh grade, seventh grade year. I remember just downloading Star Maker, playing the songs, but switching the like making my own lyrics. And then high school, I started finding beats and making my own songs and stuff like that. But it really just now now looking at it is. I try to do it whenever I can or not really try, you know, football is the main thing. And I try to separate the two. I don't, I don't want people to be like, Oh, he's distracted by the music. Nah, it's not really a distraction. Cause I can put that down at any time, but I can also write as I go, like whenever I go through. And it's really just an expression of my emotions and who I am as a person. And, and it tells the stories of like my dreams and aspirations and what I want to do with my life. Yeah, now that you do mention it, I do remember you singing just about every day in that locker room. But it's a it's a perfect transition. We always <laughs> ask this question on the podcast. Always ask our guys. We want to know what they're listening to before the game. So, other than yourself, what are some artists that you listen to before the games to put you in that <laughs> zone? And then, if you had if you had to pick one song, like your one baseball walk up, what would it be? Oh, uh, so some artists that get me in the zone, I would definitely say. Ah, uh, so there's uh, little baby. He gets me right sometimes. There's a, the old young boy. He get me right. Uh, there's Jeezy. Then there's like some. Uh, there's Decipher uh, the Downs, a rock band. Uh, there's DJ Khaled. He gets he got all his little hits hits there. Meek Mill. Um, then I got like some old dub steps I throw in there. Uh, but if I had to pick one song, it would be Put On by Young Jeezy and Kanye. That's I play that about five, six times. And then, oh yeah, and Duke Deuce, he get me right too. He get me crunk. <laughs> I always just wait for uh, for Caden's face and uh, he, he tells me if these are uh, good songs, things to approve. And I think from seeing his face in this, he approves. So Obviously, a good pregame playlist. We've been talking about taking some of the songs from all of our interviews and, and making a downloadable playlist at some point. So you might see some of your music pop up in there. Uh, you know, Caden has told me a lot about Boone, and I had a chance to come up earlier this year for that Troy game that you guys won on the Hail Mary. Uh, we've tried to give potential visitors kind of a roadmap of what to do in each Sunbelt town this year on this podcast. If a Sunbelt, if a visitor was coming to town, what are some recommendations or maybe some of your favorite things to do in Boone? Uh, so you got to go to the Parkway. You got to see the scenery. You got to get the, you got to get the mountain views in there. Um, as far as like in town of Boone, you got to eat at the local because the local got some great food, like different options. Um, a sneaky one, peppers, which I just had for the first time and not like ever. And if you go to peppers, I recommend the shrimp and grits. Honestly, about top three shrimp shrimp and grits I ever had. Um, then you the perfect time, which I'm I'm gonna say this now, since I'm leaving soon anyway. Come in the fall because it's super pretty like the leaves and all that changing like it's super it gets really crowded it's super crowded it's bad for traffic when you're getting out of class that's why i say i'm gonna say this now because that the boys got to deal with it later but it's during the fall is like the best time like you get to see like the mountains all the different colors is 
it's super pretty. I love like making those little morning drives to the stadium. And I'm just like, gosh, the sun's shining. It's nice and orange. You got all these different colors. But um, yeah, partway local and fall. That's the best three things about Boom. I don't think many people in Boom would disagree with you on that one. This is the last question, Cam. I know, I know if I asked you who is the best dancer on the team, I know your answer would be yourself. So we're just gonna we're gonna get that part out of it. But I, w- I wanted to reassemble the question for you. So it's it's you and you have a five man crew. So it's you and you get to pick four other teammates. This is the fate of the universe on the line dance battle. Who are the four guys you're taking with you? All right, I gotta I gotta go with C Dog. I gotta get Christian Wells on there. Then I gotta go see Horn because he be he's sneaky he's sneaky with it. That boy be jigging. Ah, uh, two more Fado. Oh, Fado, okay. Two more. Let me think. So we far, you have a squad. I just want to let the people. I want to let the yeah. people know. So far, you do have a squad. Like the universe <laughs> is in good hands right now. So far, we in good hands. I got to keep it up. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. Who else? All right. I'm a Tuck. I ain't gonna lie. Tuck. Tuck be dancing too. I get. I get Tuck. Tuck be jigging. And then, mm, now this last one. That's that's hard. Who always just somebody that just be dancing? Mm. Oh my goodness, this is hard. The fate of the because the fate like we gotta live. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you t- I'll, t- I'll let you take an all-timer for this one. You can take anyone who's been on an app state team ever. <laughs> all-timer. Um who was uh oh matter of fact, Jalen McLeod, J Mac. I I gotta go J Mac. Cause J Mac got that, he got that. Northern swag with his. I like J Mac. He, yeah, that's a squad. Well, hopefully the uh, the universe is in good hands with them uh, dancing boys up in Boone. But Cam, uh, I really appreciate you taking some time. I know uh, it took us a while to get this one lined up. We oh, went yeah. through some technical <laughs> difficulties, but we got it done. I appreciate it, and we've definitely enjoyed watching you this year. And wish you the best of luck, you and uh, the rest of your teammates the rest of the way. And thank y'all so much. Caden, what an awesome interview talking with Cam. That was a lot of fun talking with him about his career. I loved even him talking about the city of Boone. You and I have talked. It's a small town, but he gave us a great list of things to do in Boone. And obviously, you've done some of those. So next time I get up to Boone, I'm going to have to try out some of those places, particularly that shrimp and grits he talked about. Yeah, we might have to take him to Atlanta and give him some different ones to try. But I definitely think he gave some good rest- restaurant recommendations. And I even learned some new stuff about Cam in that interview. I mean, I've been teammates with this guy forever. Did not know this guy was in the choir, um, watching football film at such a young age. It was really inspiring and a cool story. He has a very old school upbringing. And then I feel like he just turned into a new school guy now with the age of NIL and using his big personality, his platform to do different things. So it was super great to talk to him. Yeah, great to talk to him. And, you know, that allows us kind of to talk about a game this week. Uh, it's going to be tonight uh, between Southern Miss and Louisiana. Another one of these Sunbelt midweek games, Caden, that have been so much fun over the last couple of weeks. It feels like every week these games turn into big games. This one's going to be at 730 down in Hattiesburg on ESPN2. And, Caden, when you look at this matchup, it's the 53rd meeting between these two programs dating all the way back to 1923. Uh, Southern Miss has actually won 40 of the last 45 meetings between these programs, including nine straight. They have actually beat Louisiana nine straight games dating back to 1994. We talked about that on the last episode, the year I was born. Uh, The last meeting between these two programs, though, took place in the 2016 New Orleans Bowl. It was super tight. 
Uh, I thought this was interesting too, Caden, when you really dig into this one. The last time that these teams actually played each other in Hattiesburg, the head coach of Louisiana, Michael uh, Decimo, was actually the quarterback for the Ragin' Cajuns. So it just tells you how long ago that was. But Caden, I want we normally start by talking about offense in these games, but I feel like we have to start with defense in these games. We're going to see two of the top scoring defenses go head-to-head. Louisiana comes in giving up about 19 points per game on the season. Southern Miss not much worse at 21 uh, and a half points per game. They both rank inside the top six in the league. Um, talk to me about these defenses. I feel like they're going to play a huge role in this game. First of all, just hats off to you, Noah, just the typical modern day sports historian that we all love to know. Love those little tidbits and nuggets you give us. But no, this game, you've been talking about it. I'm, you know, I'm the biggest advocate for this Thursday night action and the somewhat after dark action we've been calling these night games. And I think this is a very close matchup if you look at these teams and especially the defensive side of the ball both of these teams can do a lot of very similar stuff especially up front they have just nasty d linemen that do a great job of staying in the backfield we obviously know southern miss has those guys who are leading the um conference in sacks right now staying in the backfield and giving teams problems so i think up front you look at these teams and they do just great business stopping the rush and getting to the quarterback. And then on the back end, I think ULL a little bit more than Southern Miss, but just secondaries that have also held up very strong in the back end this entire season, haven't really let things get out of hand as far as strong quarterback performances against them. So I'm super excited to watch both of these defenses. And I think it's going to be a very similar matchup to what we saw against Troy and South Alabama in our midweek game last week, where these defenses, whichever one kind of plays the best and shows up the most, it might not be necessarily about which offensive plays swing the momentum of the game it might be more about which defense can keep the offense on that side of the field who can keep them the least effective who can have the least explosive plays I think that might be the determining factor in this one you mentioned Southern Miss's propensity to get in the backfield of opposing teams and you have to imagine in this game they want to do that to Ben Wooldridge still a younger quarterback hasn't had a lot of you know run of play Uh, They come in with 25 sacks on the season. They've had four-plus sacks in five of their last six games, three last week against Texas State. Uh, Meanwhile, Louisiana, they don't allow a lot of sacks. Uh, Caden, you have to imagine that the the battle in the trenches could very easily decide this game. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the bigger challenges we've seen from ULL's offensive line this year because Southern Miss definitely gets out of the quarterback. They have a lot of size up there, speed and strength. They do stunts on third down and getting in third and long situations is something you want to avoid and you want to stay away, stay ahead of the chains per se if you're ULL in this game just to not give as many opportunities as you can for these Southern Miss defensive end and interior defensive linemen to be able to pass rush with a free will on third and long and knowing they're going to rush and knowing they they can be gap responsible and do things and be effective in that game. But we also know Wooldridge has the tendency to use his legs, get out of the pocket and make some things happen. So I think that might be a little checkmate if we do see Southern Miss maybe get some penetration, maybe get in the backfield. I'm curious to see if he can make some things work in the passing game, maybe keep him on the move, let him work laterally because he proved last week he can definitely throw in the pocket and on the run. We talked about the defensive line for Southern Miss and, you know, for Louisiana, it has to start, you know, with their secondary. It might be the best secondary in the Sunbelt Conference this season. They're tied with Marshall for the most interceptions. We've talked about Braylon Trahan on this podcast. He has three on the year. He's one of 10 guys on this roster that have an interception. They have made things really difficult for opposing quarterbacks. And we're going to talk about Zach Wilkie in a few moments here, but he's a younger guy. And this feels like a game that Louisiana might have a lot of fun in the secondary. A hundred percent. You look at this ULL secondary or this Louisiana secondary, sorry, they've been doing a great job all year and they're playing a, a Southern Miss team. That's really not having a strength in the back end. And on top of that, you're playing a quarterback who's had two interceptions, two interceptions, three interceptions in the last couple of games. So he's turning the ball over. So I know these guys at ULL, <laughs> these guys are always 
doing their thing against receivers, doing what they can. And if you see a quarterback who has a, kind of a susceptible to throwing the ball up in the air, giving you some 50-50 shots and letting you do some things, they've shown that they can make some plays. So Braylon's been one of the best safeties in the conference for a while now. He doesn't always get the recognition, but he's a great tackler along with Cam Podesco. They both are just two of the best tackling safeties. And of course, you have Eric Garr, who's been a lockdown staple in this defense for a while and also is a threat in the return game. So I know these ULL receivers are just licking their chops in this one and ready to get after this team that really hasn't proven they can throw the ball at a high level yet. Okay, and we all know that we're all trying to get the ULL mantra out of our mouths. It's just so ingrained, and you're a former player. We've been working on it, but it's a tough thing to kind of get out of our hands. So definitely give us a pass, you Raging Cajun fans out there. We are working on it, and eventually we will get to a spot where you guys are called Louisiana instead of ULL. So we're still working on it. But Ben Wooldridge is excelling right now. He gets the starting job a couple weeks ago. He goes out and has a fantastic performance last week, and he led a raging Cajun offense to a season-high 522 yards. He threw for 316 of those, those five touchdowns that we talked about on that recap episode on Monday. Caden, it feels like each week he's in that starting lineup. He just looks more and more comfortable right now. 100%. Ben's been playing great ball just week after week ever since he got that starting job. And I think one of the bigger takeaways that I had from the last game was how many pass attempts he threw. He threw 34 times, which isn't really a normal thing to see in Louisiana's offense, but I think it shows a lot of trust that they have in him. And he was very effective. And obviously, Arkansas State's defense isn't the best. And I think the receivers were able to get a little bit more open than they'll be able to get in this game. But I think as far as a tune-up game, I'm not going to call it necessarily a tune-up because it is a conference battle and putting up five touchdowns against anybody is a huge deal. But you have to think it's a huge confidence boost for him coming into this game, which he probably needed because coming into the season, he didn't have the starting job. And then week after week, you're seeing it build. He's putting some wins under his belt. I'm sure the trust with his teammates is starting to build up as well. So I'm excited to watch him go up against probably his biggest defensive test of the year, also coming off of his best game of the year. We mentioned that season high 522 yards in their game last week, and they did that without star running back Chris Smith. They kind of went running back by committee. Smith's missed the last two games after getting hurt against South Alabama. I have seen, though, that he's expected to play in this game coming off of that injury. Caden, when Chris is on the field, what type of a difference does he bring to the field? So it's interesting with Chris. He was obviously notorious back that they had two years ago that was really leading that offense. And you see some of those guys transfer and leave, and then he becomes the top dog. And I think in the beginning of the season, he just had some struggles. The offensive line wasn't exactly creating holes for him. But then in that South Alabama game, the biggest game of the year for them at the time, he started to really show out in the last drive and really started to show shades of his old self. But then, of course, he goes through that injury and he doesn't have that momentum to build on again. So I'm excited to watch him hopefully use some of that magic that he had, some of that stuff. It looked like the his holes were opening up a little bit more. He was breaking off a couple more long runs in that game. Hopefully he can do that, but it's a great time to do it because you talked about that ensemble performance they had last week. Just about every back had 50 yards in that game. They had four different running backs getting that area. So even if he does have to take a little bit to get his legs back under him and get reacquainted with that offensive line and make some things happen, it's good to know that last game, at least, you had some backs that played probably played some of their best performances as well, and they can hopefully work off of each other, bounce off of each other, and be effective in the run game in this matchup. When you look at Southern Miss in this matchup, it has to start by talking about the quarterback, Zach Wilkie. Uh, Caden, this is probably the biggest test that he's faced all year long. And, you know, he's coming into this game. He's thrown two or more interceptions in his last three games. He needs to be better with the football. But he comes into this matchup with two very good wide receivers in Jacarius Kasten and Jason Brownlee, who have combined for 52 catches, a little over 600 yards and seven touchdowns. What are you looking for from Wilkie in this game against Louisiana? Two words, ball security. 
he has the defense in the running game now working to where they can win games the way they are. But you have to worry at the quarterback position, the way they're winning games, is it sustainable? And I think the best thing he can do as far as giving his team and his offense a favor is just not give the ball to the other team. If he gets Frank, if they get Frank Gore Jr. going, it's going to be perfect for them. They takes a lot of less pressure. Takes, takes a lot of pressure off of him. The defense is going like they've always been going. That also takes pressure off him. And then if he cannot turn the ball over, I think you can really see this team peak and achieve some of the stuff and maybe playing a little bit less close games than they've been playing. So I think the biggest emphasis for him is going to be taking care of that football because he has shown to be accurate. He's thrown pretty high percentages all year and had his biggest biggest yardage performance against Miami. So the kid's accurate and he can do some good things. And hopefully the game is slowing down for him being a freshman. But I think He's going to have his work cut out for him because this is a defense that does like to get their hands on the ball and turn the ball over. But I think if he can take the care of the ball, it'll be a huge plus for Southern Miss's offense. You look back to last weekend for both of these teams. Louisiana had the ball for nearly 38 minutes against Arkansas State last week. Meanwhile, Southern Miss had it for about 34 minutes against Texas State. Kane, when you match these two teams up, who do you feel like is better equipped in this game to control the time of possession? That's a great question. It's interesting because I think overall ULL has more pieces and tools to do that. But if you look at what Southern Miss has been doing as of late, they've been playing in more close games. They've been doing a better job of running the ball lately. So I think as of late, you can look at both teams on paper, and it's funny because they kind of both got their stock going at the same time. The last couple games, they've started to really hit their groove and get things going. But if you look at the way Southern Miss is doing it, it's not necessarily what you want to see. You don't want to see as a fan close wins, but there's a skill to having a team playing in close games and having to understand the control of the clock and the importance of that. And I think right now, Southern Miss might have it more figured out in that department. So I think the way they're running the ball and the way that they're just the nature of the games they're playing, and I think they're honestly more cut out for closer games in a game where you do have to kind of take control of the time of possession. No, you have to play penalty free. I think they said their second halves have been brutal the last two weeks and they've come out with wins. So I think that's something to say as far as game management and knowing how to pull out wins and the skill that they have in that. So I'd have to give it to Southern Miss right now. Well, we will have to see. I think this is going to be a great football game uh, on Thursday evening. I wanted to leave you with a stat to know before we move on to our picks. Another great nugget right here. Southern Miss 22-1 and all-time in Hattiesburg. Louisiana's only win in Hattiesburg took place all the way back in 1989. It was a 24-21 game, and obviously that one was close. The last time these two teams played in a bowl game, it was close. And that kind of takes us into the current line for this game. Southern Miss comes in a one-point favorite. Over-under sits at 43. Uh, Kaden, I'm going to let you go first here. How do you see this game going? I think the line's just right. I think that home field advantage is just enough to give that give them that little one point that they have there. But I think it's one of the – I think when we came into the season, we didn't think this would be maybe the best matchup. But then it really drew, drew itself up and kind of played itself out to be this close matchup with two very similar teams who have very similar play styles. But for this one, I'm going to go with Louisiana. I'm going with a quarterback that just looks better so far and as of late over the defense. This might come to bite me in the butt just because of the, what we saw in the Troy game and – their last performance and how important the defense was in that and how it really showed up. But I'm just looking at the play of Zach Wilkie right now. I think in this game, he'd have to play probably twice as good as he's been playing all year. And then you look at the performance that Ben Woldridge just had, and he could probably play half as bad and they could be really effective. So I'm just going to go with the quarterback play on this one solely. I think both defenses are kind of a scratch because they both will be playing very good defense at a high level. And I don't think it'll be very high scoring. So I am going to take the under on the points, but I just have to go with the style of play right now and the way ULL is winning. I just like it a little bit better than Southern Miss. So give me Louisiana win. So obviously they'll cover and then I'm going to take the under on the points because I do think the defenses will show up in this one. Okay, now I'm going to agree with you on a lot of points here. Uh, uh, Louisiana, I think right now has the better quarterback. I think that's fair to say, or maybe the hotter quarterback right now. 
I think offense as a whole probably favors Louisiana in this game. But I feel like defensively, Southern Miss is just a little bit better than Louisiana right now. You mentioned, uh, you know, they've played in a lot of close games this year. There's been a lot of close games in this series history in recent memory. Um, The one thing is Southern Miss has shown the ability to win tight games this year. Their last three wins have come by less than a score. We saw that win last week in the, the waning seconds against Texas State. Uh, it feels like Will Hall's bunch continues to find ways to win football game. So, Caden, that takes me to my pick right here. I am riding with the Golden Eagles in this one. Southern Miss is going to win at home on a Thursday night in Hattiesburg. Over under at 43, I feel like that's low. And, you know, I don't think it would be crazy to say that this could be a 24 to 21 game, which if you do the math right there, that's 45. I don't think that's out of the frame of reason. So. Give me the over, give me Southern Miss to win, and Southern Miss is going to move within one win of bowl eligibility uh, with the win on Thursday night. No, don't get it twisted. I was very close to picking Southern Miss, too, for all the people out there. I think this is going to be a great game and a great matchup, but I just had to go with the play styles that we're seeing right now. Obviously, it's great. You talked about these two close matchups that Southern Miss just won, but let's not forget they're against Texas State and Arkansas State. These are two of the teams that just aren't perennial teams in the conference versus ULL, who has that championship culture and that caliber, and I think they're playing their best ball of the year, and we talked about after that South Alabama game, them kind of turning the corner and figuring some things out. I think they're going to start figuring some things out and separating themselves from the pack, and I think these close games that they were playing, and I'd hate to be the guy who compares, but we saw the Arkansas State game. Southern Miss had to come back and really fight for that win and play another quarterback even, and we saw what so Louisiana just did to Arkansas State and they were missing their quarterback, obviously. But those are just two things I feel like I have to look at as far as the trends that are going right now. So it's it's barely barely Louisiana because I don't think it's crazy to say Southern Miss's defense is even better right now because they are playing some good ball. Well, definitely excited to watch this game. I think one of the other things I'm excited about is for the first time on one of our Game of the Week previews, Caden, we have actually disagreed. So one of us will pick up a win tomorrow night instead of us going 0-2 like we've been doing all year long. Well, that will do it for another great episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Cameron Peoples as well as the sports communication staff up at App State for helping make that interview happen Uh, Before you go, though, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Friday where we'll discuss all the big games this weekend, including the can't-miss game between Marshall and Coastal Carolina up in Huntington. Again, thanks for taking time to listen today. If you like what you heard on this episode of the Frary and Smith Podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss another episode. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a five-star rating on either Apple or Spotify. We love hearing what y'all think about the show. Finally, take a moment to follow the show on our Twitter page at at Prairie and Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.